You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. I want you to turn uh, the scriptures to Joshua chapter 8 as we look into God's Word. Joshua 8 is where we'll be. And uh, if you are familiar with Joshua 8, this is kind of the the redo of the battle of Ai. And they're going in again. They First of all, we have been looking at Achan's sin and how Israel turned in retreat from Ai. Uh, and so this is where we're at in Joshua 8. And at first glance, chapter 8 seems a way more appropriate sermon for Father's Day. This is a guy's type chapter, maybe. This is a shoot him up. I mean, there's not guns, but, you know, spears, there's weapons, there's intrigue, you know, there's going around ravines and ambushes and, and uh, slaughter, and there's the king of AI is hanged at the end. And so it seems like this is more suited for a Father's Day. However, it's not. It's Mother's Day today where our calendar lands and so amid the bright flowers and our thoughts of gentle and our peaceful moms, we've got this passage on, on war and battle. It's not exactly a picture of a peaceful garden stroll here. But then you can guess, mothering, right? I've never done it. Um, I'm married to a mother. I have a mother. Um, it's no peaceful garden stroll, is it? It's not all hugs and kisses. You could call mothering war, perhaps, at times. There's a battle going on, a battle of time, constantly trying to make the most of your day, perhaps a battle of perception. How do I rate? How do I compare to other moms? Uh, Facebook is a great help for this, right, to compare, see where you're at. Just joking. Uh, maybe the battle of what you need to accomplish in your day versus some playtime with a son or daughter. Or even moms and all of us, the much greater battle of your own heart. A heart that, that you would say, I desire the things of the Lord, and yet my heart is prone to wander in sin. Perhaps you know your own heart as a mom or whomever and know your tendency. Well, God's providence, I think, has us here in Joshua chapter 8. And what I mean by providence is I mean that God orders and directs all things according to the purpose of his will each day, each time, each second. You are all here by part of God's providence today. You're sitting in that particular chair because of God's providence. He's providential. Things are ordered according to his plan. And so here we are. And I think this chapter 1 through 29 is what we're going to read. We won't read the whole chapter. Can shed much light on your life as a mom for today, but dads, sons, daughters, students, retired, fill in the blank. In some ways, verses 1 and 2, I think, really sum up the passage before us. You could read 1 and 2 and just get a summary, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to typically read through the entire passage we're doing a little different today we're just taking sections at a time and looking at them so look at verses one and two of joshua eight and it says this 
And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear and do not be dismayed. Take all the fighting men with you and arise. Go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai and his people, his city and his land, and you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its livestock you shall take as plunder for yourselves. Lay an ambush against the city behind it. There's two things to take away here as we look at this. Number one is that the victory is the Lord's. Look at verse 1. Having faced defeat at Ai once before, God now speaks to Joshua, starting with these words of comfort. So this is kind of the restart here. They've had, uh, they, they fought in Jericho. Achan took the devoted things. They lost the next battle. They're going back. Here's the restart. And what are God's words to Joshua? Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. Those familiar words of comfort. And behind those words of comfort come words of command then. So there's don't fear, don't be dismayed. They're familiar words from chapter 1 to us. This, this theme, don't fear, I'm with you. And then these words of command. There's take all the fighting men, arise, go up. There's these command words. So I'm with you, don't fear, don't be dismayed. Now go, arise, head out, take. There's words of command. And then there's that word see in there. It's kind of halfway through verse 1. See, see I have given into your hand the king of Ai and so forth. God has given all of this into Joshua's hands. The victory here today in this battle, if you hear nothing, here the victory here is from the Lord. The Lord is in charge of the victory. It's his to give and he has. And then in verse 2, then the battle plan is drawn up by, by God himself in verse 2. Here's what you're to do to Ai like you did to Jericho. You can take it spoiled and its livestock this time uh, and then lay an ambush. So do as you did to Jericho. There's, there's these words of do, do according. God is giving words of command. Here's how you're to do it like you did at Jericho. And God's word is for Joshua to take action, to go, to fight. And then God, he gives even the direction here to make an ambush. The ambush that we're going to read about is not some just neat technique that Joshua thought up. God is the one instituting the directions for the success of the battle. And his directions come via his word. There's two things to look at here. And as we look at verses 3 through 29 then, it's kind of a play-by-play of this played out through the account, through the narrative. Number one, that God has surely given the victory. And number two, Israel, Joshua, put them together, Joshua, Israel with him. They are to do according to the word of the Lord. The Lord gives the victory, and they are to act according to God's word. So having said that, let me pray for us, and then we'll look through our passage. Father, thank you for this opportunity and the freedom we have today to open up your word, to broadcast your word over this sound system and to read it and hear from you. Lord, I pray that this account in Joshua 8 would not just be a a neat story from of old, 
just a mere war story, a mere battle story. But Lord, again, as we pray so often, lift our eyes to Your glory. This is Your story. The hero is always You. So may You shine brightly through Your Word and through the words that I would speak to Your people today, we ask. In Jesus' name, Amen. Look again at the text as we go on to verse 3, and then I'm going to read through verse 9. So here's verse 3 through 9. Kind of we'll break up some of these sections as we go. And I want you to keep an eye out for our two themes. Remember, number one, God gives the victory. Number two, the people are to live according to the Word of God. Look for those as I read 3 through 9. So Joshua, so we're just familiar. God commands, here goes Joshua. So Joshua and all the fighting men arose to go up to Ai. And Joshua chose 30,000 mighty men of valor and sent them out by night. And he commanded them, Behold, you shall lie in ambush against the city behind it. Do not go very far from the city, but all of you remain ready. And I and all the people who are with me will approach the city. And when they come out against us, just as before, we shall flee before them. And they will come out after us until we have drawn them away from the city. For they will say, they're fleeing from us just as before. So we will flee before them. Then you shall rise up from the ambush and seize the city. For the Lord your God will give it into your hand. And as soon as you have taken the city, you shall set the city on fire. You shall do according to the word of the Lord. See, I have commanded you. So Joshua sent them out, and they went to the place of ambush and and lay between Bethel and Ai to the west of Ai. But Joshua spent that night among the people. I want to try to give you at least an attempt at some visual ideas of where we are. It's working, okay? Okay couple ideas just to help. Some of this is going to be harder to see from where you're at, um, but we'll look at it a little bit. We want to look at kind of where, the, where we're at on the map just to give us an idea. Again, here's where we cross the Jordan. The Battle of Jericho and the ESV Study Bible helps us here by showing kind of the path to AI. Notice there's some, I don't know if you can see it, there's a question mark here. There's not quite sure. Nobody's quite sure where AI is and... Um, there's a reason for that because I'll tell you, at the end of the story, it's a heap of runes. How do you find a heap of runes that looks like every other heap? Uh, it's hard to find. So, But best guess, here's AI over here. Um, I've got one more kind of picture. Now, that you can see, I'm sure, perfectly well. Probably not. But, um, hey, go on Google Earth. This is so fun. You can zoom. You can fly there yourself. Look in. You can tilt the map and see, see the contours of the land and all this. But here's the area. Now, they talked about being between Ai and Bethel. There's kind of a clumping here of a city. This is the, um, oh, what's it called? The Kirbet Tel Ai. So it's Rune. It's basically the Rune, the mound of Ai. That's where they think maybe Ai is. And right over here is kind of perhaps where Bethel was. Bethel, house of God. And so somewhere... In between is where Joshua sends these 30 troops. However, whatever direction, I mean, we're looking north is up here. So 
somewhere in here, maybe to the west, I don't know where it is, somewhere west, that's where these, these troops are supposed to lay in ambush. I'll leave that up here again if you go online. You can find it much better. That, that just gives us a little idea. What's interesting, this is quite the significant area. Uh, Genesis 12 speaks of Abram, Abram, who became Abraham, in this same spot. talks about him pitching his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and he called upon the name of the Lord. And so Abraham worshipped in this very spot where they're crouched in an ambush somewhere in here. It's the same place where Father Abraham was. Maybe it's the same place. We don't know. The idea of the ambush, though, here seems to be a pretty prevalent theme. It comes up. There's the ambush, the ambush here and there. And we remember, as we read there, God is the initiator of this move, of this ambush. The whole point of it is diversion. Right? Divert your enemy, misdirect their focus, get them going one way while you sneak up from an unsuspecting position and boom, you're on them and they don't know anything. You take them by surprise. And so God uses even ambushes here. He uses human means to accomplish his purposes. God's going to even use their past failure at Ai to seduce the king. To uh, You could translate it, to lure him out of the village. That's something God uses past failure to work in the present day battle as part of the victory, to lure this king out of the village. To the people of Ai, the God of Israel, he was defeatable. They could defeat them, him. But God's mercies are new every morning. Achan's sin has been punished. And now a new day has dawned. There's one other part before we move on. I want to just point out it's that last line of verse 9 where it says, Joshua spent that night among the people. Spends the night among the people. The text here doesn't tell us why. Here's what I wonder. I wonder if Joshua was a warrior. I wonder if he would have not rather spent the night in the ambush. I mean, that's where the, that's where the, the, the fun is going to be in the ambush. And we're waiting. And then, and then we're going to pounce and we're going to on the city. I wonder if that's where Joshua really wanted to be. However, he's where he is. I mean, he's going to lead the charge fleeing away from the enemy. That doesn't sound like a very glamorous position. It sounds pretty humble to lead the people away from them, to play the part of defeat. Oh, we're defeated, and they run away. That's his part to play. And yet Joshua gave up, I think it's speculation, gave up this treasured spot in order to lead the people of Israel to lead them. And so he camped among them that night, serving and leading others, if we take that view of Joshua, giving up something in order to lead others, it's costly. And as you moms disciple others, as we lead one another, it costs something. Discipleship, mentoring, mothering, fill in the blank, costs something. It may look like working on a project with your child instead of getting to your own projects. I'm sure many of you have experienced that giving up your own ambitions for success 
so that you can build up your children with a greater investment. Just as holiness is costly, we talked about that before, so too any position of leadership, be it a mom, a dad, an elder, it it really brings with it a chopping block to the pursuit of our own pleasures, our own ambitions for the sake of God, for the sake of His kingdom, His people, even our children. It costs something. Well, verse 10 and following lead us to the next morning. So look at verse 10 as we continue. Joshua arose early in the morning and mustered the people and went up, he and the elders of Israel, before the people to Ai. And all the fighting men who were with him went up and drew near before the city and encamped on the north side of Ai with a ravine between them and Ai. He took about 5,000 men and set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai to the west of the city. So they stationed the forces, the main encampment that was north of the city and its rear guard west of the city. But Joshua spent that night in the valley. Perhaps as we just stop here midway through kind of a paragraph, at least in the ESV, You read here, you notice initially it seems like, just to comment briefly, Joshua seems like he sent 30,000 men for an ambush. And now we read he sent 5,000 to an ambush. What's going on? And there's differing views on this. I'm not giving you, here's here's how you can look at this. Um, Let me just give my opinion. I believe there to be three groups here. I think just textually, the first group is the 30,000 in ambush. There's another group of 5,000, and then the rest of the army, the men of war, are with Joshua. It seems the most natural reading with, with the time markers here. The 30,000 seem to go out the same night that Joshua stays with the people. And then we've got this, this kind of this next day. 5,000 go out the next day, perhaps towards evening. And then we read Joshua spent that night in the valley. So Joshua was in the valley that night. So there's some time markers that make me think, yes, that's, that's right. 30,000 one, 5,000 the next. I've got one more shot here uh, to show you. This is looking to the west, and this is kind of done. I just took a snapshot of my, my Google Earth screen, and you can't really see it. But if you look, so this is out west here. This is to the south. So here's AI. It's there. Here's the valley kind of running through here. Now, if that was the exact valley, we don't know, but let's go with it. They're all over the place. There's valleys all over the place. Here's Ai, perhaps, and Bethel's back here. So the ambush is somewhere back here. Maybe the 5,000 are here, the 30 are over here. We don't know. I mean, what's even neat is how did God protect these 30 or 35,000 people from being detected? I mean, it's like Ai, just the, the king never saw him. God was at work here. But here's Joshua Perhaps in this valley here, maybe Israel's up on this mountain to the north uh, and then Ai to the south. Perhaps it's here in this valley where Joshua spent the night there. The, the Hebrew word here, where it says he spent the night at the end of verse 13, kind of makes it, as I read that, feels like, well, he slept there. So he, he slept, you know, he's among the people one night. He's sleeping in the valley. It's kind of, the Hebrew word is a little more, with the idea of walking or coming or going. It doesn't have the sense of sleeping, at least what I can discern. 
And we don't know what he did in the valley. Maybe he paced back and forth. Uh, maybe he spied out the way just one last time. Maybe he was out kind of by himself like, well, what if we go up this? Okay, we're going to go this way. Maybe he's planning. Or perhaps he's praying. Maybe he spent the night praying. We just don't know. Maybe in the same way that Jesus spent his final night praying. Joshua, kind of an early uh, uh, type of Christ here. And mentors like moms or leaders bear this, this sort of responsibility for the mission ahead of you. Perhaps normatively, you're out at odd hours, up at odd hours, praying, planning, asking God for direction. Again, it's the, the costly call of mothering, leadership, fill in the blank. Well, we'll continue on. It's the next morning, seemingly, at verse 14, and the king of Ai looks out and musters his forces to attack Israel. Look at uh, 14 through 17 now. And as soon as the king of Ai saw this, what did he see? The forces, the encampment, the people of Israel. He saw this. He and all his people, the men of the city, hurried and went out early to the appointed place toward the Arabah to meet Israel in battle. But he did not know that there was an ambush against him behind the city. And Joshua and all Israel pretended to be beaten before them and fled in the direction of the wilderness. So all the people who were in the city were called together to pursue them. And as they pursued Joshua, they were drawn away from the city. Not a man was left in Ai or Bethel who did not go out after Israel. They left the city open and pursued Israel. That's a... Nice tune. It's okay. <laughs> um, AI had to think, again, as they went out, they had to think, right? As they went out from this city and they're chasing after Israel, what was in their mind? We got them again. We're going to kill more this time. We, we got these people. This is no big deal. There they go. And so the plan, God's plan, was working, luring them away. And while they pursue, you can just, can you see it in your mind? As they flee, this city is left wide open to attack. And so verse 18 and following commence this attack, an attack in which God's victory is certain. Look at verse 18. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Stretch out the javelin that is in your hand toward Ai, for I will give it into your hand. And Joshua stretched out the javelin that was in his hand toward the city. God is not silent here. In, in fact, God is part of directing the battle. He tells Joshua, now, right? Stretch out your hand. Do this. Isaiah 55, 10-11 says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So in the same way that the rain and snow come, it says, God's word says, Show, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose 
and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's word was, I have given the king, the people, the city, this land, I've given this into your hand, Joshua. And God's word would accomplish his purpose. So the command of Joshua, stretch out the javelin, whatever it was, a weapon, maybe spear at the end. We think of throwing the javelin, certain types of track and field events, perhaps used in hand-to-hand combat or to, to throw the javelin. And so whatever it was, I don't know, I picture Joshua like this, or lifting it up, whatever that signal was, the, the ambush saw it and began to move. Look at 19 now, verse 19, and I'll read to 23. And the men in the ambush rose quickly out of their place. And as soon as he had stretched out his hand, they ran and entered the city and captured it, and they hurried to set the city on fire. So when the men of Ai looked back, behold, the smoke of the city went up to heaven, and they had no power to flee this way or that. For the people who fled to the wilderness turned back against the pursuers. And when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had captured the city and that the smoke of the city went up, then they turned back and struck down the men of Ai. And the others came out from the city against them. So they were in the midst of Israel, some on this side and some on that side. And Israel struck them down until there was left none that survived or escaped. But the king of Ai they took alive and brought him near to Joshua. Ai's men turn around. What do they see? Smoke rising out of their city. The ambush had worked. And the result for Ai, again, it's almost a reading of the... You could interpret here, there's a melting. right? They just, there's no power to flee. There's a melting again. They had no power to flee this way or that. They realized they were doomed. They were stuck. And they had no power left. The only survivor listed here is king of Ai, only for a little bit. And then verses 24 through 29 conclude. So let's, let's read that last part. When Israel had finished killing all the inhabitants of Ai in the open wilderness where they pursued them, all of them to the very last had fallen by the edge of the sword. All Israel returned to Ai and struck it down with the edge of the sword. And all who fell that day, both men and women, were 12,000, all the people of Ai. But Joshua did not draw back his hand with which he stretched out the javelin until he had devoted all the inhabitants of Ai to destruction. Only the livestock and the spoil of that city of that city, Israel took as their plunder, according to the word of the Lord that he commanded Joshua. So Joshua burned Ai and made it forever a heap of ruins as it is to this day. There's our help, you know, why it's so hard to find the place. Verse 29, And he hanged the king of Ai on a tree until evening. And at sunset Joshua commanded that they, and they took his body down from the tree and threw it at the entrance of the gate of the city and raised over it a great heap of stones which stands there to this day. Joshua kept his javelin up till all had been devoted to destruction. I wonder here if the lessons of their their first attempt at AI caused him to make sure all was followed through thoroughly. And almost like, 
I'm holding it till I make sure everything has been taken care of. You know, there's no devoted things or uh, taken, there's the right kind of plunder, all this sort of thing. There's kind of the, perhaps there, that idea. Make sure it was all followed through with. And verse 27 says, Only the livestock, the spoil of that city, Israel took as their plunder, according to what? According to the word of the Lord that he commanded Joshua. So God had given the victory and his people had followed his word. What had been Israel's shameful retreat and defeat from Ai, God had shown mercy and grace. Achan had been punished, and so God's presence remained with Israel and he leads them along. I want to just briefly make some parallels from this account and what we've read to us as the church, those purchased of God by the blood of Jesus Christ. They're not unfamiliar if you've been listening as we've gone along. Number one is the victory is the Lord's. Let's say the battle belongs to the Lord. The victory is His. And number two, God's battle plan is following His Word. Victory is the Lord's. His battle plan is to follow His Word. Let me just look at it briefly. And to do that, I want you just to go one last place to 1 Corinthians 15. I want to look at this as we think about the Lord's victory. Relating it then to our lives, what do we see? 1 Corinthians 15, it's a longer chapter, but I want you to go to verse 56. So 1 Corinthians, New Testament, 15, 56. These verses, are, yeah, two verses I'm going to read. They follow this statement by Paul that death for the believer, talking about death, it, it, it shall no longer have the victory or the sting that it now has. And, and look at these great words from 56 and 57 and 1 Corinthians 15 says this, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Your victory is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Moms, you have no other victory. Victory will not be, never be found in a completed to-do list or in being everything for your family or friends or those around you. Victory, in fact, is not in you. Your victory over death, over the power of sin in the guilt associated with keeping all the law, that victory is found in Christ alone. And so just as God had surely given victory to Joshua and Israel, so he's given victory to you over every sin, every thought, every mess up. Why? Why do you have victory? Because your just punishment has been paid in full by the atoning work of Christ Jesus on the cross. You didn't pay it. You didn't suffer for it. He did. He paid it in full, as we sang about this morning. He took on your sin. Jesus did. And it's finished. Your victory is not a place. Your victory is a person, Jesus. Your victory is not found in you, but in Christ. I want to encourage you to look upon Him today, moms and everyone else listening. 
You look back in chapter 15, just verse 58, Paul then can look forward to verse 58 and call out and say, says this, Therefore, my beloved brothers, mothers, fathers, students, retired, whatever, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Your labor, your work is not in vain. You can be steadfast. You can abound in the work of the Lord. The victory is yours through Jesus Christ. So how can we be steadfast? How do we abound in God's work? Again, the victory is the Lord's. How How do we live in light of that victory? Well, same way that Israel moved. They moved to ambush. They did things. They got up. They took. They arose. They acted. They acted according to the Word of God. It's God's Word found in our Scriptures. Do you, I think your, your true mom goggles or goggles for any of us say we put on God's Word, we read His words, and we go, oh, that's how I'm supposed to live. And we live according to it because of the victory we already have. Think of how God's Word spoke to Joshua. Those very first words of our passage, do not fear, do not be dismayed. And it's God's Word that calls us both to comfort us and then calls us to action, to do. To do. To do according to what He tells us to do. Because His Word tells us. Here's what His Word tells us in 2 Peter 1.3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. We do because He's already done and i think we hear the familiar strain even through through joshua this familiar trust look to the lord he gives the victory and obey trust and obey trust in the god of victory and then obey what he says to do if you kids are paying attention today you'll notice i skipped something at the beginning a picture of the week I've got one more slide to show you that came from Olivia. I don't think she's here today, and you're probably not going to be able to read that from where you are at. But Olivia gave me this for Pega last week. And I think it's a good way to conclude. And these, I believe, these are truths. She wrote, God is. And so God is mm, and, mm, and, mm, and, mm, through here. And I'm just going to read them to you by way of encouragement. I think you can look up the Scriptures, God's Word, and say, yes, He is. That's who He is. We see God in His Word. We understand our victory is through Jesus, and we're to go out and follow Him. Be encouraged, moms, about this God and each one of us. Here's what she wrote. I'll just go down the columns. God is true. God is right. God is loving. God is trusting. God is great. God's awesome. God is forgiving. God is always here. God is perfect. God is giving. God is holy and God is fair. God is hope. God is doing right. Right? He always does what's right. God is authority. God is everything. God is faithful. God is love. God's protection. God is guidance. God is healing. God is returning. God is leadership. 
and God is wisdom. We can have no other victory than to come into the presence of this God. And we come boldly because of the victory we have in Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. Father, I want to pray today from verses from Psalm 60. So I pray this corporately as a body. Lord, grant us help against the foe. For vain is the salvation of man. With you, our Lord, we shall do valiantly. It is you who will tread down our foes. Lord, we praise you that you have treaded down our sin. You have taken it upon yourself by your sheer grace on the cross that we might live new life in freedom, born by the Spirit, to live now according to your word. Lord, I pray for anyone. We're zeroed in on moms today, Lord, but anyone hearing today, Lord, that in one case would feel so defeated, feel like they've been ambushed or whatever by their own sin or feel just downcast. Lord, you're the one we're to go to. You're the one we're to call on again. And Father, that sting of death is gone. The victory is ours, not out of our earning some victory. It's out of your grace to us in Jesus. So I pray your name of Jesus would be sweet to those feeling defeated. And then, Lord, those that know your word and know they need to live according to it or perhaps have drifted from that, that you would bring your conviction again to live out our claim as children, sons, daughters of the King. Lord, reveal those things by your Spirit and may your word shine bright in each of our hearts here.